Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are along at episode number 158. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Bill Bennett. And I'm John Buckley. Welcome along, guys. Hi, Paul. Bill, we'll start with you, if you can just uh, fill us in on where you fit in the, the tech world here in New Zealand. Oh, I run, a, I run a digital press agency. Sorry, I run Digital, which is a technology press agency. Uh, write stories about technology. You'll find my stories on Scoop and Geek Zone and all over the shop. I think I'm in the Herald again this week as well, so everywhere. Um, and you'll find me at digitalwithoutana.co.nz. Excellent. And John? What's my background again? Famed gadget reviewer extraordinaire, <laughs> star of TV One's uh, tech gadget section, or whatever you would like to call yeah, it, yeah. on Breakfast. Yeah. Anything, anything else you want to add? TV is a breakfast gadget guy, and also by day, uh, I work at that intersection between commerce and the internet. I work in a digital media agency called Mediacom, so uh, that's, that's uh, what pays the bills, and the rest of it's all fun. And I'm your host, Paul Spoon. Uh, I won't fill in on myself. Um, I never do, so why should I start this week? Uh, maybe I'll do that next week. But anyway, we've got an agenda to get into, so uh, so let's jump in. Now, uh, first up, one of the, I guess one of the big firms in the, the biggest firms in the tech space over the last few years, who continues to grow in value, but never seems to make any money, is Amazon. Um, now, the last few days, we've, we've heard that they're, uh, they're kind of doing the opposite of what New Zealand Post uh, are doing here in conjunction with, uh, with their partners. They're starting deliveries on a Sunday, which is a little bit of a sort of a, a, a shake-up in terms of uh, uh, competing with conventional retailers, mm. where if you want some, some well, any, anything from a, a retailer on the weekend, you would usually have to walk into a store... It's, it's, I think it's something they're doing because they can, because they probably account for such a large percentage of any courier firm's business that, and the couriers that are car- carrying it. There's probably a little bit of abuse of the poor guys at the sharp end doing the courier work, that they're probably now expected to work more hours a week than they previously were. I think that's the thing I would worry about um, this. You don't really want those couriers, courier drivers doing 70-hour shifts, or sorry, 70 hours a week. It's not very safe for the roads, apart from anything else. Well, I think part of the picture is that uh, in the US, the um, the US Postal Service is losing uh, quite a number of billion each yeah. year now, and so Amazon is coming in and in some ways propping them up with this, and uh, it's the Postal Service that will be doing the deliveries, I think starting in California, then on to, uh, on to New York, and they'll yeah, probably expand it out from there. I wonder what percentage of the total they account for. I mean, I know that I know that uh, Trade Me accounts for a very large slice of New Zealand Post business. So, yeah, I'm I'm not too sure on those numbers. John, is this you know if if they were doing Sunday deliveries in New Zealand, mm. would that help you with uh, with making an online purchase as opposed to walking into a store? Absolutely, I think it would because one of the issues you've got when you order online is where is it going to be delivered to you, and a lot of people. Everyday people are going to order goods and services which get delivered to their house. But if you're at work 
uh, what happens? It goes off. You get a little note in your door to say a courier tried to deliver something today. Come down to the depot and collect it. And it becomes just too hard. So what you're seeing now, uh, Sunday deliveries, you're probably going to be home on a Sunday. It actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. I was talking uh, to Sir Stephen Tyndall yesterday for um, an upcoming episode of the business, New Zealand Business Podcast, and one of the things we were talking about is that, that competition from Amazon. Mm. And you know, he was highlighting well, the, the way they're doing it with this sort of online commerce with the ability to click and collect so that, yes, you may be ordering online, you might be getting the best price, but then you can walk into a store at a you know that you might be going past on the way home, etc. At a time when a courier won't deliver to you, and you can you know pick up the mm. goods that way. So I mean, it is interesting to see the the different approaches that the firms are taking as they try and protect themselves from you yeah, know from each other. But it, it's only the, the the biggest potentially that are going to be able to really stand out in some of these regards. Well, in Australia, they've got this scheme which is like a, a, a almost like a Dropbox, which they they put them in place like. Uh, petrol stations and the shopping malls and so on so that you can you can go to the drop box on your way home at your local service station you know drive into the local bp pick up some milk get some fuel and open your box to see what the couriers drop for you right which is one of the things that uh, amazon started doing in in the in the u.s in some markets and of course new zealand post actually have some boxes like that uh, in downtown auckland but they work on a on a basis where you actually have to pay a, yeah. a rental for them, mm-hmm. whereas the Amazon model is, look, you buy some goods, you pick whichever spot is convenient to you, they'll ship them to that uh, spot, you walk in anytime, 24-7, key in the PIN number they've given you, and uh, you, know, you get access to uh, whichever locker has the, uh, has the goods. All right. Well, yeah, I'm I'm interested in watching what uh, what Warehouse Group actually do in terms of their online because it's uh, it was certainly clear from from the discussion yesterday uh, that Amazon and others are very much on their radar and and they're looking at the the things that they can do to ensure they can compete. And one of the interesting points was is that uh, you know here in New Zealand we've got that. You know, if you make a purchase online that's under a, under a certain value, under four hundred New Zealand dollars, then it scoots in under the radar yeah. from a, a GST perspective. Uh, and and I was you know investigating you know, how concerned that that for instance the warehouse would be around that. Actually, they flipped it on its head. They're looking at the Australian market where the where the figures are three times as high. Yeah, thousand dollars. Yeah, a thousand Australian, which is you know yeah. in the direction eleven twelve hundred New Zealand. So now they can sell into the Australian market, <laughs> and not ha- and the GST gets removed. So where where the warehouse themselves, when they tried to set up uh, bricks and mortar stores in Australia, uh, were beaten down by the Australian competition. Now they can sell from New Zealand uh, into Australia without GST. That's brilliant. How how interesting is that? Um, so uh, yeah, good 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 luck to them on uh, on on that front. Well, I thought that was uh, uh, that w- that was fascinating. I don't know how much of a strategy that is to to do that because there, I don't th- you know, there's nothing obvious that they're particularly targeting any markets outside of Australia, uh, but they will ship anywhere in the world. So there's, well, there's enough there's enough New Zealanders in Australia who know the warehouse as well. So that probably helps. Uh, now, you know, these days, most of us use you know some form of of uh, you know web based uh, uh, you know tools for document storage and sharing and collaboration and so on. 
it was it was Google certainly that uh, that really blazed blazed a trail initially in terms of. I guess that what you know what what we term as you know, real time co authoring, where multiple people can be working in a file at once and see exactly what the other people are doing. Uh, we now have just just in in the last week, uh, Microsoft have confirmed that this functionality is now available within their Office three six five platform uh, across all of the apps. Uh, they did have it uh, previously, and you could get it in, in Excel, for instance. But that's now uh, rolling out across the whole lot. How important uh, do you think this is, Bill? I've used um, I've used the Google system um, in a media context. So I was working for a, for a media organisation where we used to have um, you know file their copy, and you could get online and see the sub editors playing around with it. Usually, yeah, because my copy is absolutely perfect and brilliant, you would touch <laughs> mine very much. No, it's, seriously, what was what was what was funny? It was about read it was, everywhere, wasn't it? No, no. What was funny about it was that, was that there's a lot of sort of formatting stuff that I, did, I didn't realize they were doing, um, but, and it's it, it's quite eerie to watch that happening. And what's even eerier is you can see the thought processes for the people doing the editing at the other end, and you can you can see what they're looking at and why they're thinking about it and why they're making changes and so on. It's actually it's, it's actually more productive than you think it's going to be, but it's not perfect because sometimes it's better not to have multiple people handling a document at once because you can get into circular changes. And it's a bit like Wikipedia, you know, where you can get 17 edits one way and then 17 edits back and so on. So um, it's not necessarily the most productive thing for media people. But it, I think it is an important feature, though, for Microsoft to have delivered. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's been the, probably the one standout area. And if you compare the, uh, you know, the, the the two platforms, the the Microsoft one, you know, is a much richer and and well, and you know well, nicer hang, user interface. Hang on a minute. <laughs> the, the, now, going back to you know being a journalist again yeah the whole, all that stuff for document corrections and so on in word is a nightmare it's horrible mm. it's it might be fine for people in business who've got to you know correct legal documents and so on but if you're sub-editing something and some of the words are read with lines through them and so on it's an absolute pig to deal with and it's a pig to deal with as an editor when you're editing copy that's like that too it's it's really hard to read um, it's confusing and it's clumsy and it's ugly. And yeah, I'd yeah. have to agree with Bill there. We use it a lot, and uh, the ability to track changes. I think you need to be a master of that to really take advantage of it. I haven't tried the online interface, but if it's anything like Google, which is just simply, it works very well. Mm. And something that we've uh, probably all seen in the past week, which was uh, Apple and their latest version with iWorks. Yeah, well, that was the next discussion point, mm. is now we've got three players in this space, right? Because they yeah. offer that uh, you know that that live real time uh, you know multi person editing and you can see exactly what's going on from from everyone. Um, what surprised me about the the Apple offering as well is that you only have to you can you can own the suite and you can share the link, but people who co-edit can just they don't have to have the Apple product installed. They don't even have to be on a Mac hmm. or an iPad. You can uh, edit it in a browser. Which is the same with the others too. They all they all operate on that sort of basis. You can share that link and open it up to anyone now. Uh, regardless of them having you know, logins and so on, which which is pretty cool. I think I think for I think in general for productivity it will really work. I just don't think it's necessarily always the right thing for journalists. Well, and and probably in part it works. It comes down to how you utilise these tools. And you know, I've tracked changes 
makes life difficult for you, then you know, maybe mm. you, you should agree not, you know, well, not to turn that on if that's... Uh, but it's very Microsoft, that track yeah. changes, because the, the, part of that is, is you can see who the most important person who's made changes in the organisation is so that you can respect them. That's so hierarchical, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's so Microsoft. Also, that, what about, and that works in bigger organisations. Yeah. I, I guess you're probably not mm. going to feel that so much in a smaller organisation, are you? No, no. I'm trying to remember about the person who submitted the, uh, company, uh, the company documents at the end of the year, and they had insert, they had fudged the numbers here and left that in the document for somebody else to clean up, but it went through. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you've yeah. got to love those things. All right, now... This week's been a a bit of a big week in terms of mobile, really, in New Zealand, and a fair bit of uh, I don't know. Bill can probably come up with the right uh, the, the, the words that a journalist would use to describe what's been going on between telecom, uh, Vodafone, and then in the background, also uh, you know, two degrees. Uh, uh, stirring things up a little bit. Um, there, there's been plenty of activity, shall we say, in the mobile space, yeah. uh, particularly around 4G, um, and, and also we'll get on to talk about um, HD voice. But uh, first of all, um, 4G LTE services from Telecom launched yesterday, Bill, and you, you were there yeah. uh, okay, uh, that- at, at, at the launch event. Sort of you know, fill us in on the, the highlights from, from your perspective. I think all of us probably had a bit of a play with, yeah. with their uh, service over the last um, uh, little while. It's, it, the, the launch event was quite informal. There, wasn't, there weren't speeches and such. There was really a lot of demonstrations of applications. Um, what's really going on in mobile is that we're going through this period of intense competition like it's never been before. It's probably long-term, it's a consequence of all that stuff that happened a couple of years ago with mobile termination rates and so on. It's all sort of coming to a head in terms of competition now. And what's great is that the the telcos are competing on price, on services, on innovation and so on, rather than um, you know making it hard for people to call other people's networks and so on, which is the old way of doing things. And they're getting, uh, they're not getting narky so much with each other, but they are trying to top each other all the time. So there's a lot of sort of tit for tat PR and, and positioning and so on. But that's good. That's really healthy. And um, from a journalist point of view, I'm loving it. From a consumer point of view, I'm loving it. Um, it's like a golden age for telecommunications, for mobile telecommunications. Well, we're getting a, a lot more for a lot less, aren't we? Yeah. When when you I mean boil it down simplistic terms I mean John what's what's your what's your take on the yeah I'm just the, checking my email inbox here and uh, every day we're having a Tedford hat exchange of uh, press releases uh, it's great for the consumer and uh, what I think's going on they both Telecom and Vodafone have got the 4G networks up and running in main centres at least two degrees have announced they're going to be out next year which is great for them to actually they need to do that to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the networks are there. They need to get people on it. And we're heading up to Christmas. We're, we're getting all of these new phones coming out. It's a very important time for those guys to get people in on contracts, get the new devices, and remain brand loyal. So I think, yeah, we're seeing a bit of a skirmish for the uh, market share happening now to get them into the 4G networks. Now, with telecom coming into the space, now they're, they're obviously you know some way behind... Uh, Vodafone, who launched very early on in the year with 4G LTE services, 
they've launched into just Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. So it's, it's really the just the big centres, whereas I think we're up to... And not all of Auckland either. No, yeah. but neither, neither is Vodafone. Um, Vodafone, I think, are up to sort of between six and eight locations around the country now and, and are, you know, working hard to push that out further. Um, but the little ace in the pocket of telecom seems to be this 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 Wi-Fi service oh, yeah. that they've you know launched not quite alongside it, but it seems to fit in very nicely. And you can be on a nineteen dollar a month little prepay package with half a gig of data, a chunk of you know lots of text, and um, you know an hour and a half worth of calls or something there. Uh, and you can get a gig worth of Wi-Fi, mm. you know, every day within that uh, within that price. To me, that sounds like a really uh, a really compelling offering, particularly at that very competitive sort of prepay end of the market where people are, you know, wanting to to spend that small amount, getting that extra Wi-Fi as they trip around the country and so on. How yeah, important it's going to be gonna more be? important as more of those sites come on. So there's only 750 sites on at the moment, and they're not necessarily in the most convenient places. But I th- I, I was thinking, if you lived near one of them, why would you want? A, a, a fixed line account. Yeah, that's a really good. Well, point. it depends. <laughs> it depends quite how close you are, yeah. and you know, a gig actually isn't always that much. But in a lot of cases, it, it's pretty pretty handy. Well, most people only have about thirty gigs on their um, ADSL plans, so. but you might not want to spread it out. So, for instance, I I had the you know when I had the new uh, five uh, iPhone five S the other day, uh, picked that up, didn't quite set it up, headed headed out of town, and it hadn't fully recovered while I was on Wi Fi. It stalled. Because I didn't want to use, you know, multi gigs worth of, uh, you know, three G or four G data, uh, and then uh, I got within uh, you know, coverage of one of these Wi Fi hotspots, and you know, suddenly about you know, half my apps and other bits and pieces ah, and podcasts up. all all restored, uh, and then it stalled again until I, you know, got to another so, uh, another no. another point. But it was pr- it was pretty handy. Just want to check. This is the one last year around telecom phone booths, yeah, uh, where yeah. they had free Wi-Fi for anybody. Yeah, around yeah. around the sort of summer period, and and now I guess they've they've extended that, but focusing it on their customers. So, so telecom get, sh- get it for free, but if you're on any other network, you're going to have to log yeah. in and subscribe it's ten, and pay it's a ten fee. bucks on any yeah. other network. And when you think of that, ten dollars. Hey, you may as well just pay nineteen and get a SIM card. Yeah, right? well, yeah. I've got some news for you that. I don't know how well known this is at the moment, but mm-hmm. I, my spies at Vodafone say they have something in this line coming. You um, tease, Bill. Yeah, well, they tease me. That's well, <laughs> that we, no, that's we, we, we've, we've known um, for a while that, that they're going to be rolling out uh, a product called the small cell. So the smaller cell sites, and part of what the small cells will do, and then, then maybe they've got something else up their sleeve, but part of what they're going to be able to turn on on the small cells is a Wi-Fi option. Yeah. So in malls and other locations where they put these smaller cell sites that can take yeah, 100 or so users, they can they can uh, deliver a Wi-Fi I off think, the back of that. I think that it, it could be that, but I'm told by, I'm told by when I asked Vodafone about this, they, I got that, watch this space, we've got something. Mm. I don't think they've got anything... In the shorter term, no, perhaps, perhaps not. So I think we're looking we're looking out into next year. So people that are wanting, making a decision for what they're going to do over the next few months, and at this sort of bottom end of the market, customers are very fickle. They'll choose telecom for a few months, 
then take their number yeah. across to two degrees when two degrees has got a better option. And then when Vodafone has a better option and, you know, another period, they might flick over. There's quite a lot of, you know, uh, much less loyalty at that end than, I, you know, businesses that'll have all of their connections on, on yeah. one, one firm. I'm wondering what the churn rate is now, actually. That would be, that'd be something interesting to dig out. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't don't know those numbers, but certainly from what I'm hearing, people are moving around much more than they ever did because of the yeah. num- number portability, and because of just how competitive it is. And then of course you got Skinny with their, uh, you know, sixteen dollars for th- you know for thirty days mm. uh, sort of bundle. Um, although that misses out on the the Wi-Fi that you get by uh, getting a similar option through telecom. So interesting space. Now uh, we've got a little recording that we're going to uh, that we're going to insert here now to do with HD voice so we're just going to pop that in so you can have a listen Hi this is Paul Spain from the New Zealand Tech Podcast now we're just doing a little bit of a test uh, to compare the audio quality between a standard uh, mobile call and what we get with um, new HD voice that uh, Vodafone have just launched so that this call at the moment is just a standard uh, standard call and now we're going to make a call with HD Voice, and uh, let's see how much of a difference there is. So now we're on an HD Voice call. Uh, there should really be a bit of a change in the uh, in the way I sound now. Uh, should be quite distinguishable actually between the uh, uh, traditional mobile call and an HD uh, Voice call because it's uh, using wideband audio. There's a much uh, much broader uh, range of sound that's able to come through there and uh, it should be a lot clearer so hd voice bill we we tried it out uh this afternoon by by sheer accident that's the first time <laughs> i've actually used it by sheer accident too and my word it's good it's for I, again i'm going back to my career my i'm a journalist um i do a lot of phone interviews and sometimes you get words wrong because you don't hear them correctly on a rickety old phone line that's just not going to happen to me anymore with this hd voice i can hear things crystal clear um you can generally tell the difference between you know one word and another word which sounds similar which doesn't come doesn't come out what's really noticeable is those sibilant um words you know the words with the s's and the f's and so on that starts to be much much clearer you don't and you don't have to do that kind of police style you know um, Delta, Tango, Foxtrot, Alpha stuff when you're um, spelling things out anymore. So from my point of view, it's wonderful. Well, that's a really good point because Vodafone have said that the police have been using this prior to it going public and especially for emergency calls to be able to clearly hear how people are enunciating you know, addresses and things like that is just super important. So while the emergency services have been able to access it, it's now available to us mere mortals as well. Now, there are some limitations that are worth True. mentioning. So, uh, first of all, it's just Vodafone to Vodafone calls at the moment. Uh, it doesn't work when you're calling internationally. It doesn't work for uh, for landline tie-ups. So there's a whole lot of limitations at the moment. And you've both got to have phones. That, that, that will extend over yeah. time. And, yeah, and you've got to have phones that are uh, modern enough 
uh, to be able to utilise it. Doesn't work on uh, 2G, so if you've got a really really old uh, uh, 2G phone, um, and in fact that was the way we ended up uh, doing our, uh, our our test uh, for the sample was we flicked one of the phones onto uh, onto onto 2G, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, to test it because we couldn't actually find um, all the phones floating around the office. Here were were all HD capable, which is I think a, you know a really good sign from Vodafone's perspective. You know, people that have got modern smartphones, most of those. Uh, will handle HD voice. The other one is a device that I rely on a lot uh, to ensure good coverage around the house, and that's a Shure Signal box from Vodafone, which is their Fem to Cell or their their little mini uh, cell site that you can plug in in your home. gives you a a, a 3G uh, cell site in your house, connects to your Vodafone internet connection. Uh, those don't won't support um, oh, okay. won't 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 mm. support HD voice just yet either. So there may be future models coming that will. So so in terms of the clarity, uh, my feeling when I first heard it was it's like when you use Viber on Wi-Fi networks. So you get a richer. It's the same tone. technology. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. And and in fact, yeah. If if you uh, are using any of the 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 higher end or more modern. Uh, voice over IP type uh, type services and so on. Uh, you know, Skype now, for instance. Um, you know, FaceTime from Apple. They 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 tend to uh, yeah, I guess take a you know a, a broader um, yeah range of frequencies. Yeah. And and they'll often do some smarter things in terms of cutting out background noise. And that was certainly the case with one of the tests that we we did last week in a cafe. And a lot of that background noise was able just to sort of be cut out by uh, whatever smart stuff HD voice yeah. was doing. Yeah. Uh, yet you, there were other details that you could hear that you might not uh, expect to. So I'm not quite sure what the smarts are of that because that's not purely just extending, uh, you know, the the uh, range of frequencies that you're actually uh, collecting. That's also doing some, um, you know, some smart smart stuff in the background so you catch. What you want to hear in terms of foreground voice. Really, really careful now. The amount of times I've pocket dialed people and left voicemail messages, but they say I couldn't make out a single thing. Now they're going to be able to hear every word. (laughs) Oh, and the other thing is, I I do those um, quite often. Those dialing conferences where there's like a number of people on the line, and I might be sitting there slurping coffee or tea. No yeah, more. you might you yeah. might have to hit the mute button yeah, uh, yeah. Go, going forward there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just going to have to make a point when I when I uh, when I get pocket dialed by by John, uh, <laughs> just to hit the record button, I'll capture it, and we might be able to put that into some sort of uh, you know juicy pits uh, oh, podcast no. or something. Outtakes uh, at the end of the year, yeah, yeah it'd yeah. be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'll just make sure um, I, I'll, I'll put a special number in in there for you to dial because I don't want to be taking too many no. calls, but one that just auto records, John. And, and it's a family friendly podcast. <laughs> I should point out. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, what else has arrived in the last few days, which I can see. Um, have been uh, got into the hands of of, of many uh, many of us already. Mm. Uh, a somewhat thinner, a somewhat lighter iPad, the I, the iPad Air. Yes. So first up, quest, question for you, John: Is the iPad Air the right name? It's not as light as Air. Uh, <laughs> it's twenty five percent lighter, so there's uh, yeah twenty five percent more air, but uh, it's still about what four hundred and eighty grams. Yeah, so it's the same screen size as we had before, but a smaller bezel and and you know overall thinner thinner and lighter, isn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. I've always been a fan of the larger sized 
iPad, and even though when you hand someone the iPad Air, if they'd never seen one before, there's a definite recognition where they go, oh, yeah, great, uh, I can see it's something new. With this iPad, I think there's less of that astonishment. It's uh, definitely slimmer, but it's not a, a huge leap. However, having used it for the past few days, uh, yeah, it's much easier to carry around having your, your uh, laptop or your bag uh, and to use in meetings. So I'm, I'm enjoying the, uh, the way they have trimmed it. And I quite like if you've got another case on it, and uh, um, I've been using one with the with the uh, tan leather, uh, you know, full case, full surround. So mm-hmm. if, if 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 it were to sort of slip out, it's not just got the uh, um, the smart cover. This is the one that goes right around, and it's really nicely, mm-hmm. um, you know, built. It sort of you just wonder how they've actually taken this leather and and and. Uh, Design something that it just snaps and you know that it all snaps together so uh, so well, but you feel pretty confident and you're, and you're still not carrying something that's too heavy. Well, the other thing about it that I've that I've discovered and I've spent quite a lot of time with with um, with over the last three or four days since we've had them is it's light enough to hold in your hand just just in your hand for hour after hour after hour. Whereas um, you know if I sat down with a iPad before the old I got I've got a, a second generation ipad i can use it for an hour or so but after a while the wrist starts to it's getting a bit too yeah good. yeah whereas with this i just don't think that's going to happen so um so i mm. i found that 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 little bit extra or a little bit lighter actually makes quite a difference to how much you know how comfortable it is to use for the long haul so now we're looking at a much more competitive market though that apple's moved into we've got you know a number of uh Android tablets that are that are in this space. I mean, pre- predominantly, uh, you know, still Samsung being the big the big player in in terms of direct uh, competition uh, to the iPad, mm. and, and then all of the the Microsoft oriented tablets, which up until last week were you know devices that could run full Windows and a tablet operating system sort of in one, and were lighter than the iPad. Mm. Now. They're they're not looking quite so uh, quite no. you know quite no. so flash because they're they're yeah you know, generally at least a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how, where, where, do, where do you think this you know places yeah. Apple, John? Is this a, is this really important? This sort of thinning thinning down. How are they competitively now? Um, I think people are now looking to what works in with their lifestyle. I think with the uh, Microsoft range, the fact that they've got Office applications on there for free, essentially with the Surface Two or a version of Office, was uh, great, and that's going to encourage a lot of people who might use it for study or for work, not just for browsing at home at the weekend. Uh, But with Apple, now uh, with the iPad Air, you can get iWorks and iLife for free. So you can get premium apps, which also do spreadsheeting and presenting and Word documents. I think that's that's going to be a big shock to Microsoft to see Apple just give that away to iPad owners. They were almost giving it away before, weren't they? The apps were not, uh, you know, were, yeah. were not expensive. It's it's mm. almost just a there's some sort of a psychological difference between, you know, even if they were a dollar going down to free, mm. there's you know you can talk about it a lot more once it's mm. just like look, this is free right across, you know, the Apple ecosystem and available on the web browser to invite non Apple users to utilize. But I'm going to turn that on its head, right, and 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 say this. When I first bought Microsoft Office, it cost me about a thousand dollars. Now that's going back some time, but it was about a thousand bucks. Today, you can get a Surface Two, which comes with, in effect, Microsoft Office, 
for six or seven hundred dollars, mm. and that's good, and that's the device as well. Really, when you buy the Surface, you're buying Office in a tablet. Uh, when you're buying, yeah. and, and okay. now when you're buying iPad, you're buying iWorks in a tablet. That's it, well. because the apps traditionally, there are so many, what, how many hundred thousand apps, yeah. 750,000 apps and more for an iPad, but productivity is something that they've yeah. tended to not sell themselves on. It's more entertainment or, or browsing. So if Apple are going for a device that's leaning more in the direction of productivity... What point are they going to rejig the iPad to be able to support a keyboard? Is that going to happen and a mouse? Uh, well, or is that never going to happen? What, no, you, what, what get, are your thoughts, Bill? You can get keyboards. Sure, these are third-party add-ons yeah. that are not. They're not. Uh, what's the word? They're, they're, no, they're not. Uh, they're not a, as pretty as a smart cover that you've yeah. got there. They're not a, a, an integrated no. uh, option. You know, like you'd look at the the Surface and some, but not all of the other Windows tablets that have a, a keyboard that integrates directly. Doesn't need its own power supply and no. so on. It just hooks in. Uh, Apple ever going to do that? Or no. Do you think well, well they, maybe they will. In, but I, look, I think there's a fundamental difference between Apple's iPad and the Surface. Microsoft sees the tablet as a PC. It's a, you know, it's a different kind of PC, but, they, but Microsoft clearly views the tablet as a PC. The Surface Pro 2 is complete proof of that. It's really a PC in a different format. The iPad is not a PC. It's, it is something that's unique. Well, I guess it depends on what you define as a PC, a personal yeah. computer. Your smartphone is a personal computer of sorts. It doesn't, yeah, but it's not a piece. I mean, it's got more computing power and, and so on. And I guess, that, I mean, it's just terminology, isn't it? No, it's, there's a philosophical, there's actually a philosophical difference between the two. Yeah, I think you can see that with all of the other uh, tablet hybrids that are out there where people are trying to, you can attach this to this, you can attach the keyboard, it turns into, we, we recently saw the Asus Trio, which is a tablet and a desktop computer and a laptop computer all in one. So everyone this, else is this is, this is the one that runs Android as well as, as, well uh, as Windows. W- Windows. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's everything you want it to be. And while everybody else is going down that road, and look, I think there are valid reasons and times when you would use that, um, Apple just have this elegant simplicity. It is the iPad, and they don't need to reinvent themselves. You know, we're, we're talking about something which is 25% less than it was last time, but it, it'll still get the publicity because it's so well designed to begin with. So will, will this mean they're going to hold Microsoft off and that Microsoft are not going to win any significant gain over the next sort of 12 to 18 months in the tablet space? I think, I, I think Apple's going to lose market share in the tablet space. But um, <clears throat> but that's mainly because there's a lot of cheap sub two hundred dollar, sub three hundred dollar tablets coming yeah. into the market. But don't forget, it's a category which three yeah. years ago barely existed, yeah. and so it's a growing market. And while they're losing market share, uh, it's still growing. And 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 Apple's going to own the premium tablet space for some time. Now, what I am still hearing a lot of noise over, and and it's something we've talked about for a fair bit of time. Is a tablet that can replace somebody's laptop and their iPad? Has such yeah. a thing arrived yet, Bill? You've been playing with the with the with the with the, with the, yeah. the two the two surfaces, yeah. the Surface Two, the Surface Pro Two. I I don't. Th- I mean, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I. It's not. It's just not quite there. It's very close. Um, there's a couple of. There's a couple of limitations. There's a couple of things that are odd about the Surface Surface 2 which don't quite get you there. 
I think we're probably we're probably one generation away from that point, Paul. From my point of view, um, I was on a recent business trip over to Sydney, and I had a MacBook Air with me and a Surface Two. And if you're asking about the Air New Zealand uh, stowaway, you're, you're the back of your seat. Um, the only thing that would work in that space was the Surface 2. Even the MacBook Air 13-inch, which is a fairly neat, compact uh, laptop, wasn't sufficient. So, uh, yeah, I was able to easily open up the Surface 2, type away on that keyboard. So if you're a businessman and you're on a flight for two hours... You could sell the Surface 2 and buy a first-class ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most most businesses attending, you know, are probably still spending... Uh, you know, in the direction of three thousand dollars for a business class laptop with yeah. all of the bits and pieces yeah. that they that, yeah. that they tend to uh, yeah. that it, they tend tend to need. So I don't think any of the products that are uh, in this category, you know, uh, really drive past that point. So I don't see too many issues. No. Probably from a cost perspective, from a consumer who's used to spending, you know, uh, be a six seven hundred on a on an iPad, then yeah, they're not going to be getting a, a a pro, but they're within the ballpark where they they do have some other options. Look, the thing is, is the um, there's a lot of ideas being thrown around by tablet makers of all stripes, and there's a few. There's already, even though it's only a three year old category, there's already some designs which are which have emerged as classic designs, and I think the classic designs really are the iPad, the iPad Mini, and the Surface. I think those are the classics that have emerged, and that's the, that's pretty much the template I think for the the serious tablet business. Mm. Uh, and for me, the Surface is not my desktop replacement, but it's definitely I want to leave my heavy laptop at work. I want to put my PowerPoint presentation onto this device, get into an office, and present it. And if I want to leave that behind with a client, it's going to be a PowerPoint, which they're going to use more so than Keynote. And I guess what I'm recognising probably more and more, and this is something Microsoft have always played to, is that different users have different requirements and different preferences. And I'm still yet to find what I think is the absolute sort of killer in terms of the next technology. Uh, You know, I use a whole range of these things, but, you know, both of you are sitting there with with an iPad... um, on your lap, which which is fine for what you're doing. I'm, I'm making a few more notes. So having the keyboard and the stand-up screen on my laptop, yep. uh, uh, you know, and you guys know how many different devices there are sitting in, in, the, in the office here. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, BlackBerry Z10 over there, which I hooked up to my desktop uh, screen one time and used for at least a day as a perfectly functional yeah. <laughs> laptop replacement. Well, 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 there you go. So, yeah. yeah, so there are so many options, yeah. but I'll often still come back to more uh, traditional technologies because they haven't you know, entirely been superseded. And, I mean, yeah. I'm running a whole lot of things from, you know, Adobe Audio applications and other bits and pieces on here. And, you know, the same when I'm using, uh, you know, the MacBook. I, you know, there's a range of things that I'm using that I can't necessarily do uh, on a you know on a mm. on a tablet, so you know whichever ecosystem that i'm i'm using i've still got i've still got quite a preference for the that you know the power and the multitasking that comes uh you know with a with a reasonably full blown operating system that that said you know over the weekend it was pretty much the uh the 
the iPad Air was you know was what I was using for for just about everything from uh, uh, yeah Netflix through to browsing Trade Me and 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 all the other usuals. And I wasn't creating a whole lot of content, and it was fine. Uh, yeah. I used the iPhone five to put some of the agenda together for this event in uh, in the Office three six five app. Uh, so, I mean, using a mix of devices yeah. is probably becoming the norm for all of us, but I think there's still, as Bill's sort of alluding to, there's still another another generation before we, yeah. we maybe see the um, maybe the perfect device, well, well, if, ever, if such a thing ever exists, well, realistically. I think, well, I think, we, I think we're beginning to see signs of what, it, what it'll look like. Um, I, I have a desktop, or I had a desktop until very recently, and I just don't need it anymore. I just have no... No, no use for that now. Um, iPad does most of what you need for for day to day writing and so on. I think we're, we're, as I say, we're very close to being where we want to be. And then the next thing will arrive. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, some very interesting discussion there, gents. I've uh, I've enjoyed it. A few more things that we can. Uh, we can we'll we'll save up to next week a, a very uh, quick one um, from uh, from the Geek Zone forums. We've been watching just you know some of the they they often have uh, sort of discussion uh, topics that uh, that get get picked up on their uh, on their their front page as sort of hot items of uh, of discussion. I know this will interest uh, uh, some of some of our users. Is that uh, TiVo? And uh, I know many many people have bought yeah. the, uh, the the TiVo uh, um, uh, DVR recorders for their Freeview and so on at home. Uh, they are launching a QuickFlix uh, app that uh, basically will replace the uh, sort of pay per view content that you could previously get on uh, on TiVo, and so that will uh, then be delivered by uh, by QuickFlix, which is quite nice because it seemed like the uh, uh, the TiVo boxes were pretty much uh, end of life, and I mean they're actually they're, they're still. And I've looked at through a number of the uh, the digital video recorders on the market uh, this year. Um, Panasonic's has probably been the best uh, one that I that I that I've played with uh, recently. But even putting it alongside the TiVo, the TiVo is still a really really good device. Um, and the only unfortunate thing is you can no longer buy them buy them new in New Zealand. They pop up on Trade Me from time to time. Are they still um, for available but, at Telecom or not? No, no. So I mean, Telecom there's, were distributing the, you know them. There's a rumor that there's thousands of them somewhere sitting in a. I think most of the most of those got cleared out with them being given away when you re-sign your connection with Telecom, right. Okay. Right. and they you know they were down at one hundred ninety nine dollars at various retailers and so on. But uh, um, yeah, anyway, nice news for for anyone like me that uh, is is using the the TiVo uh, that that quick flicks um, capability is coming through, and quick flicks do have you know quite a variety of. You know, new release, uh, you know, movies and so on coming through. Mm. Um, you know, quite a bit of crossover there with what you see on iTunes and on uh, Xbox movies and so on. Yeah, if you, if you wanted to rent, rent movies, so, yeah. so I mean, it gives you that extra a- aspect. Uh, I mean, I would tend to access something like QuickFix through the uh, through the uh, uh, 
um, you know, that the Xbox, although I think the Xbox hasn't had a uh, an ability to access the pay per view uh, content. I think an app update was coming for that, so it was more just their uh, um, their Netflix type, you know, where you pay for your uh, subscription and you get a whole lot of you know content bundled in. With that, so uh, yeah, I mean that that probably encourage more people to uh, more people to take a look at it. So I mean that's good for QuickFlix, and uh, the, you know the more success that QuickFlix mm. and the other the others that are in this space have, uh, the sooner we get to a point where we're a little bit like America with uh, Netflix. I mean the, the the main QuickFlix issue is a is a lack of content, and at the moment a lack of HD. Mm. Uh, but hopefully this thing just helps push them along a little bit quicker. Yeah, and they they'll get momentum. They'll find it easier to get content. So, mm. and I think what what we're already beginning to see, and uh, th- there's a, we're looking at advertising for between now and the end of the year, the number of people using TV, which is a traditional measurement of you know putts, they call it, people using television, yep. uh, has started to really decline. You know, it went high during the recession, uh, the recession that we survived, and it's now um, decreasing again. People are looking elsewhere for their content. You know, they're looking for the Coliseums and the Summit Sports to deliver uh, IPTV. So I think we're we're just going to see more and more, and we're just at the edge of that uh, convergence happening. Yep, and uh, lots of exciting things coming with PlayStation Four and, and Xbox One later on the month, and so we'll we'll definitely be coming back on that topic. Uh, now, uh, yeah, that that wraps us up. Now, John, we can find you online. Yeah, um, I'm at thegadgetguy.co.nz. That's where I keep the blog. And you can get me on Twitter at BucklesNZ. Excellent. Thanks, BucklesNZ. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, on Twitter, Bill? I'm Bill Bennett NZ. Um, it's much more professional than my one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And you can track me down on, on Twitter and other social networks, uh, Paul Spain. And uh, we're nztechpodcast.com, or you can, uh, again, find us on all of the, the social networks, Twitter and and uh, Facebook and so on. And you can email us anytime. It's always great to get feedback, uh, feedback at nztechpodcast.com. Thanks for listening in. See ya. 